Welcome to another episode of the Week Pastor Podcast, where we view Christianity through the lens of vulnerability. Hey, welcome to the Week Pastors Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us this week. We're so grateful that you are here with us. Uh, we have a very exciting show for you today, an episode uh, for you today, and we're excited to talk about it. But before we do that, Sua, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I really like that vest you got on right now. It's really cool. It makes you look like super cool, like it's you're like in the Poconos. Cold. You know, Columbus weather is very finicky so right mm. now we're straddling three different seasons in one day you know it literally yeah. starts off like 35 degrees in the morning and then goes up to like 70 in the afternoon and then it goes back down to 35 it's like what is happening i don't know how to dress anymore and so do you have any animals in your backyard yet have you gotten the animals yet i do not have any animals for those what, what, what's who, the animals um, that you are planning to um get okay, so that your so children <laughs> can live on a farm so we recently moved. For those of you who don't know me personally, we recently moved. Um, I'm in the middle of nowhere. There's middle of nowhere. I mean, it's so middle of nowhere that we have a well for water. Like, I mean, okay, it's not like a literal well where you're like, you know, with a rope where you're getting like a but that a is bucket, so awesome. Whatever. But you don't literally, rely on we're city on water. well water. We have a giant tank of propane that we have buried in our backyard because there's no utilities here. Um, wow. And we're zoned for agriculture. So we can technically have any kind of animals um, and farming or whatever that we want to do. So my husband decided that um, he promised the girls chickens. So okay. I think we're probably going to get chickens in the fall. next. That lay following. eggs? Yeah. What, as opposed to chickens that oh, yeah. don't lay <laughs> okay, eggs? Okay, sorry, sorry. <laughs> So you're gonna be able to have so you guys you're definitely not a farm eggs. boy. No, I'm not. Um, yeah, so we're definitely so we're probably gonna have chickens. Um, my kids love chickens. Like they just, you know, they they love carrying them around whenever we go to farms. And oh my stuff. goodness! They, just, they have no fear of animals. Wow. So they love chickens. So my husband says to me, he comes back from work and he says, "Hey, so I spoke to a guy at work and he says that alpacas uh, recoup their costs in six months if you can sell their wool or whatever their fur." And I'm like, "Who does he think his wife is? Can you imagine me sitting there shearing alpacas in my free time?" What's an, what's an alpaca? Is that a sheep? It's like a llama type of looking thing. Oh, okay, okay. Alpacas, PP. Those are petting zoos. Well, apparently they're very like pretty independent animals and their Wait, so fur is in high demand and he wants me to be shearing wool. them. <laughs> he wants me to be shearing them and then he wants me to, I guess, be crocheting well, things out of their wool. Well, that's that's the reason why you didn't get another job. You Now you found one right there. You're going to be yeah. shearing a... <laughs> that's apparently what he envisions me doing. So wow, well that's that's fantastic. Okay, yeah. any any other any other wildlife that we should anticipate in your backyard? No, are, are you gonna come visit? You should yeah. come visit so we can do a live like a video show. That would be really oh, fun. Gosh. I can show you all of my animals. Um, but so far, nothing. We just have our German Shepherd Luna. That's all we have. Okay. But, yeah. In all the right. future, we might be adding some more. Oh. Animals. All right. Well, listen. I got a really good question for us today. All right, I don't know go. what you're gonna answer. Okay. So I want you to. Share with me, like, if you could say, if you had, a, if you regret something, something you did for your husband while you were dating or married, and you're just like, oh, I wish I can take that one back. It's a little embarrassing. I should probably didn't didn't really go that well. Maybe I shouldn't have done that. All right, I, I I don't know if you make those kinds of mistakes, but I do, so I have one. But you know, just something that you did, like you wanted to show them how much you love them and all that kind of stuff, but then you're like. I don't know if it really works. So well, I wish I, I could have, tell have you a story about. Work, I probably wouldn't do it. I wish I could tell you one about John doing it to me. Oh, okay. Well, that's fine. But <laughs> you can't think of you, you can't think of one. You can't think of one that you did for well, him I'm that you sure kind of like regretted. Are, but those are all blocked away in my memory, <laughs> and then um, in the more easily recovered memories is the ones when he did it to me. Okay. 
All right, so I got. Oh man, it's it's okay. So let's hear it. So on my wedding day, uh, I on your wedding day. Yeah, on my wedding day, it was after the ceremonies during the reception. I wrote a song for my wife and for Jenny. Nice. And I sang it for her, but I I gotta tell you something. You know, like I'm not a great songwriter. (laughs) So like, you know, I think about it now, and I'm like, oh shoot! And I remember years ago, I was watching my wedding video on VHS tape. Hold on, you performed it publicly? Oh yeah, it was public. I performed it publicly. That is gutsy. Yo, it was so embarrassing because I watched the video years, like years (laughs) later on a VHS, and I was mortified because first of all, like I was so nervous. And I wasn't singing in tune. Like, you remember uh, several podcasts ago, he said, are you tone deaf? I'm not tone deaf. But when you're nervous, sometimes it's hard. And uh, and then my brother-in-law, Juan, he always makes fun of me because he remembers the line. He Jung, I will always love you. So she just... So it wasn't supposed to be funny. It wasn't, it wasn't supposed, to be, supposed to be funny. I was no. singing it from the depth of yeah, my okay. heart. It was supposed and to be And he makes fun touching. of me till this day. My kids laugh. They all know that lyric. They sing it. Christian sings it. Makes fun of me about it and stuff like that. But like, I'm thinking to myself, you know what? Maybe I should have sang that in private because I've written her other songs that I sang in private to her. I was like, I should have probably done that one in private, not in public. I wish I could have a duo. Do they have any footage of Jenny's face in real time as you're singing the song? She was happy. She was definitely not okay. crying because it wasn't okay. that kind of a song. But of course she was happy. But okay, I, well, that's you know okay what? then. You know Mission what? When accomplished. Get, one day when we get her on the show, all right, with, with John, we got to we'll get her spouse. We got to convince them. I want you to ask her what she was thinking when I sang her that song in front of like 450 people, <laughs> all right? I want you wow. to ask her what she was thinking. But you know what? It was a little embarrassing, I got to be it's honest. It's a little embarrassing, but that was that's that shows how, you know, love makes us brave and do crazy things. That's part of the whole loving that's experience, right? That's true. But I wish I could have a redo on that one. So if anything, I would I would definitely do that, you know, maybe go to the hotel room and then share it with her at the hotel rather than in front of all those people because they were probably like, damn. I don't know. I feel, I don't that think you should redo that. Sucks. I actually like that. I think oh, it's, I it's, it shows vulnerability and your willingness to put yourself out there <laughs> for the sake of love. Yeah, well, listen, I have a VHS of it. I hope it never gets replayed ever again because I'm like, oh, 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 I'm going to get one of your stop, kids to get it stop. for me so I can make it into a DVD. Oh, and God. then we can go make it go viral on YouTube. Oh, my God. Put it on the, put it on the Week Passers website. Oh, my goodness. It would be terrible. <laughs> it would definitely go viral. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Remember your husband? He made fun of one of my wedding photos because my, my brother-in-law one? called it Lord Helmet. <laughs> I just, okay, oh my gosh. I just got I like have, a sudden visual of... I have, of, I have oh my never seen oh my John respond on social media so much. And then I think a couple days later, he responded, <laughs> I'm still laughing. Do you... <laughs> you know what? Speaking about burned in my head moment, sorry, this is completely like off track. But do you remember the time when John came to your house and for some reason, Kobe would have stopped licking his leg hair? <laughs> You know what it was? Because it was probably salty. His legs are salty, so he loves no, salt. No, but he literally. So John has pretty hairy Kobe's legs my dog. for an Asian guy. Yeah, very hairy legs. Like. He would like literally for a good hour. He just sat there licking his all leg day. hair all day. He loved time. it. Like his and leg was matted curly. to his leg. Yeah, they were getting all curls from the licking. And finally, John had to be like, "I think I'm gonna go." <laughs> <laughs> like it's a little awkward. Oh man! Has he ever done that to anybody else? Uh, he's done it to a few other people. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he but likes he likes hair. licking <laughs> leg hair. But he likes licking the back of people's knees. That's like his favorite points. I think that's where all the salt is when people sweat. He likes the oh saltiness of it. It was yeah. That was that's definitely another experience. Has burned 
in my brain. <laughs> that, that was that was that was funny. That was All funny. right. Well, you got you. What's your redo? Do you have a redo experience, oh, so, or if not, then maybe John's if you don't have one. I mean, I've done some embarrassing things, but I'm not a huge risk taker. I guess okay. our love doesn't make me brave. So I don't. <laughs> most of the things I've done for him, but you know, sometimes like I, it's cringy. So we each obviously have a box of our sentimental things that we gave each other throughout our okay, you know, many years together and. Um, since we were moving recently, I discovered some of these boxes and I looked at John's and John was like cracking up, looking at some of the things that I had given him in the early days of our dating. And wow, I wanted to hide. Did you give because... him a book on John Calvin's predestination? <laughs> Listen, I put the fun and fundamental, okay? Yeah, Stop yeah exactly. That. Okay. Put the fun and fundamentalism. <laughs> no, like it was, oh my gosh, it's, no, it's just such basic Asian girl things. Like I made him, um, like I folded a bunch of, stars paper stars for him oh you did like, like a, a thousand of them oh my gosh it was so oh, yeah. yeah like why did i do that what what guy is gonna receive a jar of paper well, hearts and be like wow you really love me well he kept it right so that means he really liked it mm, i don't know that plus um i once wrote him a book the book about john and i wrote him like a hundred i think it was for like our hundred days together whoa. i wrote him like a hundred things that i like about john whoa um, that's yeah, nice and, but it's like so cringy and he was like he was like i'm gonna read these out loud i was like please Please do not read these out loud in front of our children. Okay, Please. so you have you have great memory. You remember everything. Just share with us one thing you wrote on that one one of the one hundred things you wrote about that that you no, like about John. Like, I mean, after a while, you start running out of ideas. Do you know what I'm saying? Like in the beginning, you start really good. Like you know, oh, you are such a thoughtful gift giver. You okay, know, um, you are so considerate of my needs. And then towards the end, it's like I really like that one time when you wore that Adidas hat. That was nice. <laughs> like you just kind of start running out of ideas. Because you know what? A hundred things is a lot. A hundred yes, things it is, is a lot. Okay? Boy. It's a lot. Um, but let me tell you about That's this one time. That's very thoughtful. This is not a do-over situation, but this is one of those things that I bring up sometimes when I just want to um, rehash some of our low moments in our relationship. So for those of you who don't know John, John is really into food. He loves to eat. Yeah, but he's like 150 pounds. 55. Yeah, exactly. See? Yeah, but he's only like five seven, so it, no, I think still, that's balanced. You were one hundred and twenty so pounds and six foot two or something. <laughs> well, that was eighth grade, eighth grade, eighth please. grade. <laughs> so anyway, he really loves to eat. Um, so you know, he actually only he tries to only eat one meal a day because he can't stop eating once he starts. Oh, so it's wow. easier for him one? to actually. That's a serious discipline. Yeah. Well, so he once he starts eating, he wants to be able to eat as much as he possibly wants. So the way he's coped coping with this is by only eating one meal a day so that's it's, why he's 155 pounds because he's only eating one time a day I, mean, I guess so yeah so there's this one time do you remember um in new york city there's a chicken and rice cart called 53rd and 6th have you heard about this now they have them i think in new jersey too they have them at teterboro where the costco is oh the whole like yellow bag mean, yeah the yeah, halal halal guys. Guys, okay yeah. hello guys it used to be called 53rd and 6th okay. so this is back in the day before they had all of these actual stores. Yeah, it was yeah. just that one cart yeah. in front of the, I think it's the Hilton Hotel. Um, yeah. And the line was always so long. Super we long. just have to wait Super. like two hours on this yep, line. Yep. And this is one of John's favorite things to eat. So there's this one time we were, I think maybe either we were dating or we were married um, pre-kids. We waited like an hour and 45 minutes on the oh line. Oh my gosh. And, and it only cost like $5.50. Like, oh, yeah. And John was like, oh, shoot. Like, our meter is running out. So I have to go and feed the meter. So make sure you buy um, two platters. And he meant two platters for himself. But I oh. thought he meant two platters. Wait a minute. They give you a lot of food. He can eat two of those in one sitting? Yeah. So, oh so I get to the, of course, but like, I'm the one who has to order because he went to go feed the meter. So I ordered sure. two. 
And then he's meeting, he's like walking towards me and then he sees that I only bought two of them. And I kid you not, he yelled at me in front of the entire line of people. <laughs> like he just yelled at me. And of course. How mortified. What do you mean, of course? I understand. I mean, I can understand. you believe? I he should have he... been a bit more communicative <laughs> with you and said two for me, not just two. I yeah, mean, naturally the, you would the think it's ire two. in that moment, like I've never seen him so angry over freaking chicken and rice. I mean, yeah. are you serious? Hello, guys. That was one of I'm those sorry. moments when I really questioned our relationship and the depths of <laughs> Wait, his love you for guys, me. Wait, you guys were married, just married, right? I don't remember. It's okay. it's like somewhere in it was somewhere in that pre-kids timeline. Yeah. But man, he was, and it's not even like he was like, oh man, like you forgot to buy. He was so mad. He was so mm. mad about wow. food. About, it's not even like I didn't buy him one. I bought him one. It's just yeah, that he yeah, wanted yeah. two. Yeah, okay? yeah. Okay. Wow. Come on. I feel like you identify with him right now, and I'm a little bit at a loss for a, a words. A little bit, but you know what? I, I definitely understand why you would be so angry because he wasn't clear because two would naturally mean one for but him, one for you. So why that. would It's the fact that he's yelling at me in front of an, an audience. There's like yes. this line of people that are you know waiting, and they all saw me get yelled at by my boyfriend for not ordering properly. <laughs> <laughs> Public humiliation. Well, listen, John, if you're listening, at least she wrote you a hundred things she likes about you. All right. And that's that's pretty stars. significant. And the paper, paper stars. stars. Listen, my Don't wife, forget. Uh, I can count on how in, in one hand how many times my wife has written me something and it's always been because of my birthday or something like that. And uh, I remember when we celebrated our 22nd year anniversary, I said, okay, we were driving. It was far. We were driving several hours down somewhere for my son's baseball game. I said, honey, let's think. Let's share 22 things we really love about each other. You're such a romantic. I know. I'm a huge. I'm, I'm a total romantic. Such a She's romantic. like the opposite. She's not into that stuff. So for me, 22 was pretty easy to come up with about her. I, I probably gave her about 12 about me to say because she didn't know she was uh i don't know i'm like oh well, how, well, how about this you were how giving about, her what suggestions you you're giving here, her here's suggestions a, here's a, what do you think about this one she's like oh yeah, yeah that one too yeah, oh yeah that's good oh that's good too and i'm like okay maybe this wasn't the right exercise for us to i mean you know what i came up with 12 out of 22 it's so funny <laughs> because i think you realize how differently people's brains work oh my goodness and i guess that's yes. probably why we're married and it works the partnership works so yeah. well because our brains are focused on different parts like yeah yeah um, didn't I, so i told i asked john um right when it was like our 10 year mark and i was i remember exactly where we were we were at the metro office and um we were standing right at like that entrance that little like section right before the yeah. entrance and um i said to john i said john you know we've been married 10 years like what is like your favorite thing about me you know there's like so many i know it's really hard to choose from but what is your favorite thing about me after 10 years and he says to me and he wasn't even joking he was dead serious he goes i really like that you talk to me even if i don't talk back to you <laughs> hey, I, that's a real honest what? thing for me. What? I like that. I like that. I, hey, what he's being honest. He's keeping it 100. I like it. I like Literally, it. He likes that I talk at him. Listen, John and Jenny are so similar. It's so scary how similar they are. But uh, honey, if you're listening, I would love to have a hundred things you like about me. Oh that would like make my world. Jenny, don't give into you like this. About it's me. really hard. It's really hard. After number 35, it's really hard. <laughs> are you kidding me? She's probably going to struggle to get to number like 10. She'll struggle can, to get you, 10. You can help her out again. Oh, Why brother. don't you just okay. write yourself a hundred things that you like about yourself and have her sign it at the bottom? Like, exactly. if you agree, just sign this document. Oh, man. Tell me about it. That is crazy. That is crazy. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. hey, listen, we have a show for you. What we want to talk a little bit about, and I realize Sua has no idea what this term means, but I, some of you probably know what this is, especially, especially if you're older like me. Uh, have you ever heard of the term backsliding? 
Uh, yeah, I've never heard of it. You've never heard of that term. So in the church and Christians, they'll say, yeah, you know, I'm really backsliding right now. What that basically means is that we have this understanding of what it means to be a Christian, how we should live like a Christian. When you don't live that way, according to that standard that you think a Christian should be living by, or what you think is a standard by what you should be living by, uh, you call that backsliding. I'm backsliding right now into that. I'm not, I'm not hitting that standard. And that's kind of what it means. And I believe every Christian struggles with backsliding. I've struggled with it so much in my own life. It's been, you know, there are times we're so inconsistent. I know we have uh, uh, d days that we want to engage with God in certain ways, and then there are times where we don't. And sometimes, like at the beginning of the new year, man, everyone wants to read the Bible every day. Everyone wants to pray. They want to journal. They want to do certain things. And by the time January 10th goes rolls around, then they are they don't do it anymore. And so they start yeah. to backslide. And the reason why I want to talk about this was because I think that what happens is that when we keep thinking that we're backsliding or that we're falling away from God, we start to live in guilt. Mm -hmm. And that is so toxic to our relationship with God. So I don't know if you've ever struggled with backsliding. I don't know if you ever felt like, you know, I need to be a certain way spiritually. I need to live my life a certain way. And I'm not saying that that's not, a, that's a, that's, that's not important. It is. I think, I think we should try to aspire to live a certain way, particularly the, the ways in which we learn from the Bible and how we are to live our lives in terms of loving people, loving sure. God, loving others and all that kind of stuff. But I do feel like there are times where people do struggle. So Sue, have you, when was the last time you felt like you backslid? Well, do you remember I, that? I feel like I, well, I think I backslide on and off all the time. Yeah, um, that's because, what's up. But you know, I, I do think also my, you know, quote unquote routine kind of evolves. I will say this one thing, I think I've given myself a lot more, maybe this is not the answer that you would expect, but I think over the years I've ended up giving myself a lot more grace about yes. doing certain things or keeping up with certain routines that I used to in the beginning of my faith journey. And I would say not even in the beginning, like when I was like a kid, because actually my mom, my mom really drilled into me that I have to do my quiet time every day. She used to yeah. buy me these like kids, kids versions of like the Korean quiet time books. Um, and she would make me do them like every yeah. day. Um, and that was not bad. I think that was good because it, it kind of ingrained in me that discipline of being able to uh, read the Bible, having knowledge, making it a part of my daily routine. But then after, at some point, I think it started to become a little bit suffocating mm. or even not even suffocating, but I felt like if I don't do this or if I don't go to church on Sundays or if I don't do my quiet time, God's going to stop blessing me. Like it started mm -hmm. kind of becoming this weird intertwining with God's yep. blessings are yep. contingent yep. upon me reading my Bible. And so literally, I think that's kind of, it happened for a long time before I really caught yeah. myself doing it, where I was like, what was my actual intention behind doing these things? Is it because I want to get intimate with God? Or is it because I'm scared he's going to withhold some kind of blessing from me? That's or, right. That's right. And like curse me with some right. bad things, you know? Right. And I think it's so much because religion is so different from Christianity because religion teaches you that you have to obey in order to be accepted, right? Right. This is, this is what your demigod, uh, uh, man, Tim Keller says, right? So uh, <laughs> the, the man, man that you have a, a spiritual crush on, all right? The I man do. that you yes. lust, lust, spiritually lust it's, after. It's not right. a lot. Okay, fine. Sorry. Maybe a little bit. Anyway. Maybe a little bit. So, okay. so what your man, Tim Keller says, which I, I think he says it so beautifully, he says this, the difference between Christianity and religion is simply this. Every religion teaches us that in order for you to be accepted by God, you have to obey. Mm -hmm. Obedience is your acceptance of God or God accepting you is contingent upon your obedience to right. him. right. 
Christianity is so different because we're taught that God has already accepted us through Jesus mm -hmm. Christ, through his life, death, and resurrection. And so because God's already accepted us, that's why we obey. Right, right. The acceptance is already there, and then we so obey. Good. But so much of our spiritual faith, if we're a Christian, is really religious because we think that in order for us to be accepted by God, we have to really obey him. Mm -hmm. And if we don't obey him, then he's not going to accept us. And so what happens then many times is that even though we may not verbalize that, I think internally we feel that and we feel like we're not good. We feel like maybe God doesn't love us, particularly if us not connecting with him results in us sort of, you know, going through an addictive pattern of sinful behavior mm -hmm. and different things like that, then we start to feel more guilty. And I just still remember when I was in college, Sue, uh, there were times I just, I mean, I was a I was a wreck. I was just a wreck personally, but I loved Jesus the best I could. You know, I was a vice president of my college fellowship and I struggled with lust. I struggled with just anger, low self-esteem. I mean, you just name it, I struggled with all of it. And I just really believe that, um, you know, I wasn't, and I, I, God called me to be a pastor when I, was a, when I was a senior in high school. When I got to college, I said, there's Wait, no he way. he did? Yeah. He called so, me. So then you didn't do it, basically, until I didn't way do it, later. Uh, way later, because when I got to college, he called me to be a pastor. Oh, wow. I felt, I sensed that I was at this this conference called Vision, right? Oh Vision. Gosh, I remember Vision Conference. Yeah. yeah. I, I was at Crusade. Vision, yes, Vision 92. All right, Vision 1992. All right, you were probably one years old. So Vision 1920, Seven. oh, 1920, 1992. And uh, there, I really sensed God was calling me into ministry. Then I go fast forward. I go into college I, in my first year, and I had every intentions of going into ministry, but then just with my sin, my dark side, I just said, well, if God's calling me into ministry, I better really work on my sinful nature. Mm -hmm. And I really thought I could, you know? And when I got to college, it was just so hard. I mean, just everyone's around and it's just, it's just so hard and you're with college kids and hormones are going all over the place. <laughs> and I just remember like just saying, there's no way God would want somebody like me to be a pastor. Wow. And that's when I convinced myself there's no way. It's not that I don't want to do it. I just didn't feel like I was qualified. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I talked myself out of it. And that's the part of backsliding and one of the worst things that happens. I think we play into the devil's hands when we start to live in guilt and start to feel like we're lesser than because we're not spending enough time with God. Does God want, want us to spend time with him? 100%. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He would love to. Nothing would make him happier than us connecting with him in his presence and all that stuff. He would. But God knows that our love for him is going to be imperfect, even though he still loves us with a perfect love. And God gives us room and space for that, to, 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 for us to accept that. And I think that's what I kind of want to get at today is just this realization that, you know, we have to get to a place that we're going to backslide. But sometimes the reason why we backslide so much is because we're so hard on ourselves and we live in tremendous guilt and we feel like we're not worthy to even be a Christian. And I don't know if that's ever resonated with anyone. Has that ever resonated with you, Sua? Because I mean, you grew up kind of like a fundamentalist. You grew up, you know, like this John Calvin predestination <laughs> I mean, I and all that stuff. Actually, that was more towards my teen years. Um, I, I will say I grew up rather legalistic. Okay. Um, I think a lot of, you know, I, I can only speak to my Korean Christian experience, but I do think a lot of Korean churches are very legalist. Yes. Legalistic. Um, there's a lot of emphasis on doing the right things and mm. being a good person. Um, and not, and honestly, I don't think as much emphasis on who God is. A lot of emphasis is on like what we're doing, what we exactly. have to do. Um, so yeah, it definitely resonates. Um, but you know what was interesting? And I was actually thinking about this because this kind of goes back to the episode we did about doubt. One of the things I remember when I was a kid, um, that I did that really offended or got a lot of adults upset is asking 
a lot of questions that I guess I wasn't supposed to ask. Yeah. So sometimes I would ask questions about why does God do blank? Or is God really blank? And mm. it would really fluster a lot of my teachers. And, you know, in retrospect, the best case scenario, like they told me, don't ask those questions. And worst case scenario, I got some really theologically inaccurate responses. I mean, something once, one silly one is I asked somebody once, um, why do we not do animal sacrifice anymore? I think I was mm. like six or seven. And somebody, and the teacher said to me, oh, because we pay offering. <laughs> <laughs> But like he said it very with conviction. Like he wasn't like, oh, wow. I don't know. He so was, was very, very like with conviction. Yeah, 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 yeah that's because yeah. that's why we pay the offering. I was like, wow. Oh, okay, you're right. And then it took me years later. I was like, that doesn't make any sense. You know? Um, but I remember I used to ask some questions uh, about doubting. About like, is God yeah. really real though? Because some of the stuff that you read in the Bible, it's that, it's just seems so mythological. Mm. You know, there's a lot of language in there that you're kind of like, am I reading something that's real or am I reading something yeah. that's like, you know, out of like a mythology anthology, you know what I'm saying? And I would ask these questions and people would really shoot me down. And my mom, she, you can't ask those questions. Like you should. Cause if you ask those questions, questions you're going to hell. Well, yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Kind, yeah I think yeah, that was yeah, the yeah. implication, yeah. you know? And so, um, or why do we have to go to church every Sunday? Like there was one time and my poor mom, my mom also obviously was an, on her own journey. There was one time. So my mom was ridiculously <laughs> crazy about going to church every Sunday. Like no oh. matter what we had to go to church on Sunday. Oh, and no, do you my, know where this was from? It all, she would use this cautionary tale as an example of why we had to go to church yeah. every Sunday. She said to me, because do you remember the time when you were three and we went camping and we skipped yeah. church and there was yeah. a hurricane <laughs> and God sent that hurricane because we it's, didn't go to church. That's and, or exactly do you remember? How, She's like, do you remember our tent flew away? Yes. And I'm like, and that's I believed it. her. Yeah, but that's exactly how, you know, that, but that's not your mom's fault. That's what the church is teaching <laughs> right, implicitly right. to its parishioners about what God will do. Like my mom would say this, like we were so poor, but she goes, no matter what, we're going to tithe, tithe. And I believe tithing, my, Jenny and I, we tithe, we're committed to it. Mm -hmm. You know, we do it all the time. But there was times where we were so poor. I was like, mom, like, I, should we, should you tithe? I mean, we can't even pay the bills. And she's like, we must, because remember the last time we didn't tithe, like, like I ended up losing all this money and, and, you know, God took it from me and all that stuff. And I'm like, what? Like, oh my gosh. But it's this thing. If we don't do this, God is going to punish us. Right. That's exactly what it is. And listen, I know we're sharing this. We're laughing a little bit about it. But the reality is, is that, you know, we come from that. That's our family yeah. and that's our yeah. spiritual upbringing. And for some of us, and I've seen this happen at the people at our church at Metro, is that sometimes I hear them talk about themselves and they'll say stuff like, it's been so long since I've really prayed and read the Bible and I just, I'm man, I just feel really bad. I feel terrible about myself. And they'll just say these. And I'm just thinking like, why? Like God doesn't think that of you. And it's not to say, well, I'll just do whatever I want. And God loves me. No, that's not it. It's, it's realizing this truth that no matter what God loves you, just the way you are, you know, like you, the, the, the words I like to use is, you know, warts and all, warts Your beautiful and all. Side, but even the warts, he loves, he knows all of that about you. And you just have to accept that side of you and just, yeah, will God like to connect with us more? Absolutely. But we cannot get to a place where we actually start to say, you know, I, I, I feel lesser than I'm, I'm not a good Christian and I'm going to start just living my life outside of God. And that's what happens. I have friends that just feel like, well, listen, you know, like I, I want to party after college. I grew up in the church. I'm sick of it. And like, you know, I'll come back and they don't ever come back. Mm -hmm. And I think part of it is because they feel like they've gone so far back 
that they can't go forward anymore well, with God. Isn't that kind of the purpose though of us? Part of the purpose of why we do this podcast is I've heard yeah. a lot of people say things to me like, well, I really need to go back to church, but I just can't go yet. Like I just need to yeah. work on a few things before I come back to church or, you know, I just need to work on a few things and get myself ready before I come back to God. And I think there is that um, idea in our heads that, yeah, we, we have to be somewhat of a presentable version of yourself before exactly. God will accept you back. Yep. But that is completely the opposite of what the gospel Absolutely. is, you know? So Yeah, he accepts you just as you are. And so if you're listening today, you love God and you're kind of doubting that you might even love him because you realize your actions may not support it. You know, I, I believe that every Christian who really follows and walks with God, at one point in their life, they have really connected with God. Like they just had a season of their life mm -hmm. where they felt an overwhelming presence of his love and his grace and his mercy, all that stuff. If you ever had that encounter, you are a follower of Jesus Christ. Yes, there are moments when you don't go through those moments, but it's okay. And there's a book written by uh, John St. John of the Cross, and he wrote a book called, um, oh man, I forgot the name of it. Oh man, but in this book, it's so beautiful because he basically says that our greatest, deepest, most powerful encounters with God, oh, it's called The Dark Night of the Soul. Oh yeah, I know that is, book. You used to is, talk about that book. Yes, is when, we, is when we live out The Dark Night of the Soul. Mm. And when we, here, here's what I want to say. Like, you know, I've gotten to a place in my own life now that do I struggle? Do I have black slut? You know, I mean, I, I protect myself from backsliding far because I confess my sins regularly to, right, to some right. people and that really protects me from backsliding. Uh, but do I sometimes miss reading the Bible? Yeah, I miss it sometimes. Do I miss journal? I journal almost every day. Like that's part, big part oh, of wow. my prayer time. It's my thing that I love to do. Um, so it's my thing. But do I don't do it sometimes? Yeah, I don't. I don't do it every day sometimes and I'll fall and whatever. But I don't hit myself over the head with that because I know that no matter what, God loves me, he cares for me. And what I've learned is that, like what I've learned something beautiful because I share with you, Sue, and I've shared in, in, in past episodes that when my father died, and when my um, when when we started having those real mm -hmm. big issues with the church, people started leaving. Yeah. Man, I had such a dark season of my life. Like it was dark. I mean, it was really like in terms of like temptations, and mm -hmm. you know that was probably the season where if I didn't have my soulmates, I mean, I'm just sometimes people say I can exaggerate a little bit, but I, I think <laughs> I was capable of this. But I mm -hmm. think I would have cheated on my wife. That would have been the the season of my life if I ever committed mm -hmm. adultery would have been that season. So I'm incredibly sensitive to pastors when I hear that they, you know, that they fell with moral failure. Yes, it's wrong, it's awful what they did and how they destroyed their family because of it, but I'm completely empathetic towards it because I understand what the dark night of the soul can be. But what I learned from that season, because that lasted about, probably about 18 months to about two years. That's a long Yeah, period. it was a long time. Yeah. It was that I had people walk with me to help me so I don't, backslide but what i learned is this like when you can still try your best to connect with god even when you're living the dark soul of the night mm -hmm. man what it does to your faith you can never get that if you're just everything is just peachy and wonderful and awesome every day there's something about growing and learning and, and, and connecting with god when you're going through the dark night of the soul and even though you don't want to pray, even though you don't want to, you know, write your journal, you don't want to connect with God, even though you don't want to confess, like, I'm just like, you know what? I had moments, honestly, Sue, I thought, I think I'm just going to, like, stop talking to my soulmate mm. because I don't want to have to share stuff anymore. Like, I don't want to share my temptation. I think I'm just going to stop. I'm not going to call. And if you text me or whatever, I'm not going to answer. I'm just going to stop. Like, I really entertain those yeah. ideas.
And I said, I think I'm just going to do that. And I was like, well, that'll give me permission to sin and do some things, you know, and stuff like that. And so, like, my mind was thinking that way. And because, you know, I have ADHD, uh, one of the things with people who have ADHD is that they fantasize a lot. Mm. That's one of the symptoms of ADHD is that we're dream. It's a great thing that we can be a dreamer, but sometimes that fantasies can be sin, sure. sinful. Yeah. Yeah. And so that I, that's basically I was caught up in a fantasy world for so long. And it was just, it was, it was not healthy for my soul. And, uh, and stuff. But the season, that season probably was the hardest two years. But I would say it was probably the most solidifying two years of really building a strong spiritual backbone. I feel like I can go through anything now and I can still really follow and pursue God even though I don't want to do it sometimes. And that's the, that's the great thing about backsliding sometimes because when you go through that, you can really learn so deeply about connecting with God because God meets you when you have that dark night of the soul. He doesn't wait till you get out of it. Right. He meets you right when you are in that dark right. place in your life. I think that is so, so true. And, um, you know, I, I mean, I, I joke about this sometimes, but I, I do think I've lived a relatively privileged life in the sense that I don't know if I've ever had anything. I'm trying to think, like, there weren't any great tragedies Hey, would your mom? And, would your mom... Um, like when you were growing up, we should yeah. be upset if you ever highlighted your hair like that. That little blonde highlight you have in your front of your hair right now, I'm seeing. <laughs> Would your mom ever say, what are you doing? What are you doing? Um, How dare you put paint on your hair? No, you know what? My mom was actually pretty lax about oh, those things. Cool. And I okay. think part of it was because we grew up in Latin America. Yeah. There's a lot less of a, you know, I think it's because there's not as much of a fundamental Christian kind of background there's a lot more room to do kind of what you want to do. So my mom, my mom used to let me, whenever I would follow her to go get her hair done, she would always let me get little like blue and pink streaks in my hair. And I was only wow. like in ninth grade. Yeah, she was not super. But you know, you know, Sue, you didn't have stuff. to do that because what I found out, I saw a Korean drama recently and people had hair clips like you talked about. Oh, with, with like colors. the little hair colors. Yeah, see, yeah. I don't lie. I don't lie. You, you I only tell the but truth. But you could have gotten a different color. You didn't have to highlight your hair. But anyway. <laughs> no, okay. but yeah, my mom yeah. was not. Uh, wait, hold on. You made me lose my train of thought. What oh, I'm sorry. Saying? I'm really sorry. Well, but, but listen, listen. No, no. You think about it, and then you can say it. But I, I, I do want to say this though. Sometimes I'm going to be honest. Sometimes uh, the church has basically said, "Here's how you connect with God." All right, this is how you spend time. Read the Bible, pray. That's it. Read the Bible and pray. And for some of us, it doesn't really work like that. And it's okay because there are what many ways. There's many ways in how you can connect with God. So years ago, there was a book written by uh, a man by the name of Gary Thomas, and he wrote a book called Nine Ways to Connect with God. All right? Meaning that there are, there are nine different ways he wrote in his book that you can connect with God. And I, I think it's, you know, I think there's some real good validity to what he has to say. So let me just share with you the nine things that he says that you can, you know, you can do to connect with God. First is you can connect with God in nature. Mm. And so, like, some people could really connect with God in nature because God created nature. And so, like, my wife and I, you know, we went on a trip to Arizona, to Utah. We went to the Grand Canyon, Sedona National Park, to Bryce and Zion uh, National Park. And I'm telling you, there were moments where I just said, honey, I need about 15 minutes here. I just need to be quiet. You know, please don't talk to me. I just need to take this in from God. You know, I just needed this time with God. So sometimes people really connect with God in nature. Sometimes people connect with God with their senses, you know, with their senses, meaning like it could be like incense. Now, it could be eating, taste, you know, and things like that. Uh, that happens. I mean, yeah, sometimes. Did, what, is the, what is the Christian tradition? Which, which denomination is it that has all the bells and the smoke yeah, and the whistles? Yeah, uh, Greek or Orthodox. The yeah, Orthodox I mean, Church has a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes. And also the Episcopal Church uses incense That's a lot, right. especially if you That's go to right. their monasteries. Big time. 
Um, sometimes it's through traditions, liturgy and symbols, uh, icons, you know, like statues and things like yeah. that. Um, but liturgy, uh, some people really love it. We do the Apostles' Creed. So you right. may not know this, but we do the Apostles' Creed every Sunday at Metro. But now. we used to before. I think I remember doing it at Lincoln. I think we did it like once or twice, but now we do it every Sunday. It's a big part of what we do. But tradition is sometimes important. Uh, solitude and silence, which is a huge one for me, uh, particularly if you're an introvert. Uh, you should really try silence, silence and solitude because it really will be a great opportunity for you to hear from God. Their whole lives are silence and solitude. Huh? They're introverts. Their whole lives are silence. I know. I know. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No offense to introverts. I'm just joking. Yeah. Um, I, I, took, I took some offense to that, but it's okay. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, through activism and justice, uh, that could be another way in how people really get connected to God uh, by just by loving others. You know, some people uh, connect with God by getting a hug, you know, a hello a text message, you know, and stuff like that. Uh, celebrating. Some people really mm -hmm. connect with God's love by celebrating. I think it's important if you're listening, you can't downplay your birthdays anymore. I think you need to definitely upplay those and celebrate your birthday. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I think especially in the Asian culture, we've always learned to downplay stuff. And I've learned that. And my friends have really helped me to say, no, you got to celebrate. Like when you turn 50, which is in two years, you got to do something big. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do something big. I like my, my, my good friend... Alex, when he turned 50, he said, okay, guess what, guys? We're all going to the Bahamas, and we're going to celebrate nice. my 50th birthday. I'm like, whoa. He's like, yep, you're all paying your air airfare. I'm like, okay. And he's like, you know, I'll, I'll get the housing. You know, I got somebody who's going to hook us up with the housing, but you guys are going to have to pay your way there. And we all went, and we had the best time Remember of our lives. Remember when threw you the 80s party? Oh, my God. I still have pictures of that. Birthday? It was for my 40th. 40th. Sua, I, I still have pictures of that. That was so much oh fun. Oh, my gosh. That was so fun. You guys threw me an 80s birthday party, and I was the karate kid because I had the uh, karate <laughs> gi on because that was my wig. favorite movie. We all took wig. turns trying on that wig at the end of the night. <laughs> I have some I had pictures. A, that wig with a mullet. No, I have a picture of you, me, and Jen Shin. Okay. We have a, I have one of those little sticky pictures. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's, that's through loving others, celebration. And then the eighth one is through contemplation and prayer, right? And so that happens through prayer and contemplation. And the other one is through your mind, like, you know, reading, reading the Word of God. Um, it could be reading books, Christian books. It could be maybe getting a degree, like going to a seminary, studying a little bit, getting a biblical degree, things like that. So those are like the nine ways in how you can connect with God. So maybe the problem isn't necessarily that you always just struggle to pray and stuff like that and read the Bible. Maybe is that you're not finding the right ways in how you can connect with God. Well, I like that you said that um, because... I don't think it's, and you know, I'm not trying to be the, the um, prototypical legalistic fundamentalist over here, but I do think it's dangerous if you say, well, you don't necessarily need to read the Bible or pray. You can just celebrate and eat a lot of food and go to nature because that's not what you're saying. What you're saying yeah, is nope. that you can, ex you know, you can experience the word and prayer coupled with a lot of other yes, things in addition, yes. I, I, not I instead really, of. I really right. do believe it is so important right. that, you know, um, the Bible becomes a big part. And, you know, my fear is that, you know, more and more Christians are no longer reading the Bible. And as a result, they allow the world to determine what their values should well, be. I think that's actually something and that so I thought about recently because Bible literacy among Christians is really not very high i have learned. i would say it's probably the it's probably just a little bit higher than folks who are not christians i mean it's marginally listen, higher it's I'm not much alive a lot of the books of the bible are not very fun to read i'm sorry yeah. god but it's just the way yeah. especially because it was not written for 
us as the audience, right? Yep, I mean, it was yep. written thousands of years ago and yep. it was for a very different culture, a different people in a completely different language. And so I'm sure yep. some of that is lost in translation, but when we read it, it doesn't read like a, you know, page turner, you know? So it, it really does take some effort to sit there and study it. Well, if I can give you one advice about Bible reading that's really changed the way I read it, I, th I think the reason why sometimes the Bible is hard to read is because we read too much of it at one time. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. for me, I only read a passage at a time. So that's like you know, a heading at a time. So it's like it could be anywhere between three to like 10 verses. Um, I don't read a whole chapter. I think a whole chapter is too much for me because there's too much in the Bible sometimes. And so like what I'll do is I'll just take a little passage and I just read it over and over and over again. I'm saying, God, what are you saying to me here? What do I learn about you? Uh, what are you trying to say to me? And I just kind of read it in that way. And it's just, it really opens it up and I'm able to really connect with God in a very deep way when I read the Bible that way. When I used to read, like I used to do, the, you know how many times I've done the one-year Bible? I mean, I've done that so many times, but it's just so much reading. It's a lot and, of reading. And because of my ADHD, <laughs> I can't focus. And I'm just like, I'm reading it, but I'm not really getting it. So what helps me is reading a small passage of scripture over and over and over and over again, and then journaling about it. And it's mm -hmm. just, it's gold for me. It's like beautiful. I, I, start, I start to come up with my own commentary. But that's the other thing, right? It's one year Bible is great. I do really like the one year Bible and the way they formatted yeah. it. But if you keep doing it over and over, after a while, you have to wonder like, is this working? Right? Because yeah. it's not the only way. There's yeah. a lot of other ways to yeah. tackle God's word. And it doesn't have right. to be always through this one specific way by reading right. the seven chapters and then reading a psalm and yeah. then reading two proverbs. Like, you know, there, there's a lot of you know, information out there that tells you this is how you have to read the Bible, but there's no really You got to find what works way. for you. And right. for me, like the one year Bible doesn't work for me anymore. What works for me is that like just reading like a small passage of scripture every day and just really digesting it and eating it and just trying to like chew on it over and over and just trying to figure out, God, what are you saying to me? It's, it's been really wonderful. I actually told my kids recently, I said, listen, I, I want to teach you how to read the Bible. I want to teach you like the best way how it's really helped me. I hope it'll help you and see if it works or not. And they're like, okay. And I was like, okay. I was like, you're lucky I don't charge you for this because this is good <laughs> stuff here. You know, um, okay. So I'm thinking, it's going back to the topic of backsliding. I don't really know if this necessarily counts as backsliding, but one of the things that I think my time at Metro, I remember it being a big revelation for me was that I can be angry at God and that's okay. Yes. Um, and because I grew up in a tr tradition where we were never allowed to voice certain feelings, like the bad feelings, right? Yep. The umbrella of the bad feelings to God. Yep. But I remember distinctly this one time I was, I was working at Metro and um, one of my close friends died. Mm -hmm. And it was a very, it wasn't just like, and I'm not saying any death is good. Or, sure. You know, of course, every death is terrible um, in the sense that you're going to grieve and you're going to you know, experience a loss. But this particular, not to go into too much detail, but she was a very good friend of mine. She, we were co-workers who shared an office for five years. Um, you know, she had gotten colon cancer at, I think she was 20, 27. Yeah. Um, she was 27. I was 25. And we worked together for five years. I remember holding her hair through her chemo where she was puking into the trash mm. cans in our office. So we really kind of went through it together. And um, basically, long story short, she ended up actually passing away at 33 from leukemia that she got from the chemo and radiation from the colon mm. cancer. 
And mm. in that whole story, there was a lot that happened because she had been trying to get pregnant for a long time, which yeah. she couldn't because of her colon cancer surgery. And then she finally got pregnant and then she found that she had leukemia. So then she had to terminate the pregnancy that she'd been trying for two and a half years for at 13 weeks when she was mm. basically about to tell everybody. Um, and then I just remember being so angry because it was the first time I think, okay, I'm gonna get very emotional. I know, I now, see you get emotional, it's yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, I think it was the first time that things just didn't make sense yeah. to me. Um, yeah. yeah, okay, I'm getting really emo. Every time I tell the story, you get emotional. Yeah. Okay. It's okay, yeah. It's okay I, to be emotional. Look at that. Yeah. See, I'm feeling emotion. It's <laughs> great. Sadness. Yeah. Okay, so anyway, it didn't make sense to me. I felt like there was no redemption. And mm -hmm. I'd always been taught, like, there is redemption. Everything God does, there's redemption. But in this particular story, it just felt so final. There was yeah. no redemption. And I remember getting the news, and I was sitting at church on Sunday, and I could not worship. Like, I just yeah. couldn't do it. Because yeah. they were singing songs about God's goodness, and I didn't feel like God was good. Yeah. Um, and for a while, I think I just, I don't know if this is like backsliding, but I just, I didn't want to read the Bible. I didn't yep. want to pray. I was really like, I was mad. I was mad yep. at God and nothing that I heard about God's grace and God's goodness and God's providence, like none of it resonated with me because I was like, I don't know if I believe this, you know, I don't know if I believe yeah. this because look what happened to my yep. friend. Um, yep. you know, what's crazy is, um, I don't know if I actually ever made sense of that situation. Yeah. If, you know, this is what, how many years has it been? Maybe seven years? Yeah. I don't know if somebody said, so what did you, what did you make sense out of that? You know, have you, how did you, I don't know. I don't really know if I learned anything about how God works, but I will tell you that I knew God was there with me, you know, That's even, right. and I think that was a big difference for me that yeah. I felt like maybe God wouldn't be with me. If, if I was angry at him or if I was mad at him, yeah. but God still wanted to be with me and it was yep. okay that I yep. was mad at him and that I was feeling, you know, quote unquote, bad feelings towards him. Because as you always say, you know, God is bigger than our angry feelings. Like yeah. God can handle our he, angry He's big feelings. enough to handle everything we're um, feeling towards him. And you know what that, I think in a weird, unexpected way, that was a very, um, kind of fundamentally shifting thing in terms of how I viewed God and my intimate relationship with him yeah you know but yeah i remember distinctly that time i just didn't nothing like i couldn't do it i was like i'm not reading my bible i'm not doing my quiet time like i i can't do it like i don't believe it i, I don't know if you recognize how profound what you just said and that you probably don't understand the, the the weight of what you just said and how important it is for us to know when we encounter terrible tragedies like that losing loved ones to cancer and things like that a lot of times we associate the presence of god from taking away bad things from happening to people mm -hmm. like cancer and things like that. We think that that's what his presence is about. And unfortunately it's not because if that's what it was about, then Jesus would have never died for us on the cross. God's presence doesn't negate brokenness right. and all the terrible things that we experience in life because we live in a very broken world and broken things happens to us. But God's presence is there for us and that is the end. So that means that what you just said, but his presence was, you don't understand how profound that is. And if we as Christians can broaden our hearts and our minds to realize that, it's like when a parent sees their kids sick from a cold or, or God forbid COVID and things like that, 
they couldn't do anything necessary to prevent that. But what they what they're promising is, I will be here. Mm-hmm. I will. Be. And I'm not saying that God couldn't have prevented. Can God heal? Of course, He can do all those things. But the thing that God always promises is that He will be present with us no matter what. We live yeah. in a broken yeah. world. It's the world in which we live in, and the thing that He will always be there for us is His presence. And His presence is going to give us the strength to keep going forward. And so you just shared this, Sue. It was just so profound, and I just want our audience to realize that. That if you've backslidden because you've lost loved ones or you know it's been really difficult for you, I hope that you will experience what Sue just experienced. That no matter what, you will God's presence is here for you and He's there to hold and to comfort you and be there with you every step of the way. And that's what I experienced. When my father passed away and all this stuff started happening, and I started entertaining terrible ideas and stuff. I just knew that no matter what, I was in the presence of God. I was He was helping me. I was getting away to silent retreat, spending time with him to help me, and it was just—it was just so powerful. It's like those Gethsemane moments when Jesus just cried out to God, and he was sweating little droplets of blood. And those are the moments where you encounter God in such a powerful way. Because after Gethsemane, Jesus had such courage and faith right. because he met with right. God in his deepest, deepest, darkest place. And that's really what's so important about that. So, yeah, if you're backsliding and if you're struggling with that and you feel like, no, God's not going to accept me, please, that's, that's, not an, uh, that's not from God. That's really from the enemy or from your fundamentalist Christian background. But I want you to know that God is really here and he will love to be, uh, he will love to have you in his presence. And he invites us to that. And like Jesus says in John 4, he gives us living water where we won't have to thirst anymore. Right. And that's what I hope that our audience will be able to see, that you would go to that living water and you, so that you don't have to thirst anymore. So, yeah, but, you know, backsliding is normal. It's, it happens. But I do hope that you will be able to realize that no matter what, God will accept you and just keep keep connecting with Him in, that, in, in those ways. And I think sometimes the hardest, darkest moments are the, our greatest moments of growth and spiritual blessings. It's like the picture of the prodigal son that we used to have. At oh, so beautiful. Yeah. You know, it's, it, that's it, just as he is, right? God is running towards us just as, you know. Just as we are, you know, and, and you see that the prodigal son is like trying to come up with a, like an excuse, an yeah. alibi, and he thought the best case scenario was going to be he's going to just be a servant, a slave right. for his father for the rest of his life. And what does the father do? It gives him his robe, gives him his ring, and throws the greatest party with, for him. you know, his thing hiked up, like all undignified yep. because he's just so excited to see him come back. Exactly. You know? and, and, and then who had the greatest issue with that was the older brother who was always in the house. And, you know, sometimes we're the older brother. We got to be careful yeah. because, uh, you know, God's love, honestly, it's offensive. Yeah. It's offensive, especially for those who keep living in the house. It's offensive in so many ways, and uh, it's scandalous. That's how lo- his love is. It's, it's incredibly scandalous. And I just hope that for all of you listening that you would realize that, you know, he would, have n- he would love nothing more for you to enter into his presence so that he can, you know, just allow you to encounter his love and his presence, his peace and his hope. And so I hope that you can do that. And hopefully you get a little bit of that. And if it's okay, Sue, well, can I end with prayer? I don't know why, but I feel like we need to yes. pray today. Um, I mean, the topic kind of demands it, you know, okay. <laughs> we can't backslide. We got to pray. All right. So here, here, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to start and then you close. Oh, okay. You got to close for us. Okay. I just sense you have to close it. You okay. have to close it out. All right. All right, let's pray. God, I want to thank you for this time. And none of this was really planned, but I pray for everyone who's listening right now. God, I pray that your presence and your shalom would fall upon them right now, whether they're in their homes, whether they're on the bus, going to work, whether they're folding their laundry, whatever it might be. I pray that your presence would come into their lives. And God, that they would sense the gravity and the weight of your love for them. 
And I pray, God, that whatever they have gone through, whatever they have done, um, even the sins they may have committed, God, I pray that they would never find their identity in that. Their identity yes. would be found in being a child of God. That because Christ has died for us and resurrected from the dead, God, that you truly now call us a son and a daughter to the King of kings mm -hmm. and Lord of lords. So may it be so. May we live as a prince or a princess to the King of kings and Lord of lords. Help us to know that we are daddy's little girl, daddy's little boy. And it's in your name that I pray. Amen. Yes, Father, um, thank you for your promises that are always true, that are always enduring, that nothing ever in life, no circumstance, nothing anybody says to us, nothing that anybody does to mm. us can ever take away the love that you have for us. Nothing can separate the love that you have for us because mm. it's founded in your son, Jesus Christ, um, and yes. what he's done for us on the cross. Father, we just thank you because no matter where we are in our lives, whether we are celebrating something good um, or whether we are really uh, grieving the loss of something that was truly, mm. truly special to us, whether we're in pain, whether we're in joyful um, situations, Father, you're always with us. Your presence always goes before us. And Father, you surround us, Father, with your love and your peace that nothing in the world can ever compare to. So mm. if there are those of us out there who are questioning whether you really love them, whether you're really for them, whether you're really with them, may you make your presence felt so clearly and powerfully to them that they can never question that the love that you have for them that is enduring, that is never failing. I pray that many, many people mm. would come back to you and to your arms because you are readily waiting, waiting for them right there, Father. And all you want is for them to know how much you love them, that you sent your son for yes, them, God. Father. So we thank you for your continued presence in our lives, that you meet us wherever we are and that we may never forget that no matter what happens mm. to us in life and wherever life may take us, we would always remember that truth. So thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Sua, I really like you crying. What the heck is that? I, 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 that was so powerful, Sua. I what just feel like mean? I connected with you in such a deep way. Because I cried. And I just felt your heart, like your pain and, and the anguish. But it was I cry it was something. A lot. Yeah, I uh, no. Oh my gosh, no, I don't do you know, know what used to make me cry all the time? And this is actually what? a show that would get immediately canceled if it came out right now. Is do you remember the show The Biggest Loser? Yes. yes. <laughs> so in that show, people are really large at the beginning and yes. then they become really small at the end. Yes. And I yes. Think, I'm guessing now in retrospect, because there's some kind of crazy endocrine problems happening, um, you know, because people are so big and then they get so small and there's like an overactive mm -hmm. hormone situation and on balance, they cry so much in that show. Mm. And every time people cry, I just start crying. So I, so John would come home from work and I would be sitting there in front of the TV, just bawling my eyes out. And he's like, what is the problem? This year they were just really big and now they're really small and her brother is sad and I don't know. I mean, I'm sure he really wanted to come home every day. So it's oh, man. So excited to come home to that every day. Oh, I don't know if I want to see that side of crying, but I just I love it when you can just share your heart the way you're sharing it and being so raw with your feelings and your emotions of something that happened even years ago. And you can let sort of our audience into your heart. Yeah, and I think that was just to, really we special. We might have to not air this episode. It's a little no, no. We we will no. We will definitely air this episode. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Listen, everyone, I want to thank you so much. If you have any questions, any feedback, any thoughts, please, please interact with us. We, weekpastor.org. Our emails are on there. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next time.